She has previously held leadership positions and steered group for organizations like Alibaba Group, Flipkart, HSBC, and many more. Welcome, ma'am. So I am Vishaka Bhatt. Thank you. We are privileged to have you here on Meepod. My pleasure. Thank you so much. It is going to be an exhilarating conversation with you. Moving ahead. So, ma'am, to begin with, we would love if you could take us through your professional experience and journey. And basically, being from a non-engineering background, how do you get into this operations domain? Because there is a preconceived notion that specifically people from engineering background prefer this as a career option. I think that's one of the perception people have that you know, to have an or to be in operations, you need to have certain background. Uh, yes, there are days uh, right now the era that we are in that we look backward in terms of education with stream that you have come from. I think I have bypassed that. I'm very lucky. I feel because the time that when we started, uh, the whole uh, e-commerce emerged, right? So that's the time that we started our journey. So being with Flipkart, that's how my e-commerce journey started. I think it's exactly like 12 years back when we started our journey. Everybody is new. There is no one had an experience on anything, including people who have run the show. So that made us, uh, you know, kind of carve or curve, you know, kind of take turns on how we want to shape our career. Uh, coming from a non-operational background in HSBC, etc., uh, moving into e-commerce and playing a role based on need of the hour, and then you know kind of moving and shaping across what business needs and uh, how you want to sustain within the roles uh, from uh, with a larger portfolio that has helped basically uh, you know uh, come out of that thought process saying ki operation is very limited to with some set of uh, designations only so coming from uh, i was in flipkart handling a catalog operations to start with then i expanded the profile understanding the business needs because uh, catalog content is a very unique model where it's a user experience driven so to do the user experience you need to know what users need and then plug in back into the business and the business work very closely with them over the years the scale of digitalization has happened so much uh, that everything has to work in a pace and you know much faster much larger so that's when we started overcoming the limitations of doing things manually having people driving it to a more of an automation how products play a role how do you sit and design what products we want and you know kind of make it happen in the pace that it has so when 2011 or 10 when i was with flipkart to the time that when i left flipkart there were there was a huge transition from a two bedroom house that i started working in flipkart to uh, like you know 10 15 offices that we had of ours so that transition not just in terms of buildings in terms of business in terms of going from a retail space to a marketplace in terms of getting lack of restaurants how to uh, lack of uh, partners on board understanding how to make 
um, ease of use of products for the partners to ensure we have a variety of listing. Then comes fraud, brand patents, etc. Similarly, when I went to Alibaba as a head of uh, content and catalog for supply operations for seven countries. So the, the role that I have played uh, using my experience is to neutralize the fundamentals of uh, how operations work across the seven countries and top of it build the country-based principles of basically what the country needs, what kind of guidelines, what kind of catalog quality that they would need uh, because not every country has the similar listings that is required. Maybe Burkas are more in Indonesia versus, you know, they might not be very predominantly not required in Malaysia. So there are many, many things, some guidelines on what not to sell, what to sell and similarly setting up cross-border items like it is very uh, upcoming market at that point in time like how a seller in China can sell across all these seven countries and how do we create this uh, channel for them and uh, scale it up. Uh, So that's been a different experience and uh, if you look at uh, my portfolio as well from Indian market of retail to moving on to a marketplace model is the same. Then going under a cross border, and then I have an experience working selling large commodities like uh, cement, steel. It's a building material, it's online. So, from identifying the suppliers, the geography requirements to fulfillment, everything falls under this. And uh, it's been a startup. Uh, I've been there for almost two and a half years. So, it was a very good insight to understand the supply and demand. Uh, the user experience and uh, the kind of audience and the cash flow, runway, all this came in picture there because it's a, uh, the minimum order value used to be somewhere between 3 lakhs to 4 lakhs. That's that's how it is. So unlike the other industries where I have worked versus this, you you just order one ton of steel, two tons of it, which the MOP is very high. Um, so scaling that, identifying, and you know there it is completely dependent on the truck drivers loading, unloading. So it's been a very great experience. And then kept coming into food industry. Here the day-to-day requirements are very different, both from the consumer and from the partners. Uh, when we talk about from the partner side adopting and uh, if we go with larger brands and if we cater our business only with larger brands obviously we will not be able to scale up the way that we are today so it has to be across uh, and in terms of business in terms of supply uh, when i talk about um, it's just not the brands which play the role it's the long tail accounts the long tail accounts like every street every uh, location that we are expanding that we bring almost every partner on the board and uh, you know how do we convince them right from the commissions to the pricing uh, putting our guardrails very tight in terms of doing this business being transparent building our products at the scale that it has to be so it's been a different experience within the operation and in the five years of my uh, role in Swiggy right now I'm handling uh, the engagement for platform across the partners uh, modality so here we understand what partners want voice of partners ease of doing business and you know providing them a transparency to you know circle back to us when it is required their account management and uh, onboarding so everything falls under this including price guardrails quality catalog so these are the different teams that i handle with the sweet platform so yes it was an easy journey because basically what operations needs your time and you need to have a mindset of 
changing your own processes which you design you can't work with a mindset of saying oh no we will only stick to this that is not how operations work and it's like each layer that you move up in operations it's more about um, how much you are giving to the business right so it's like there is that sometimes you know i i do get messages around night saying ki is there something wrong in the menu there's something wrong with the business happening with the partner the responsibility and availability helped me you know kind of understand the business needs make myself available you know that play different roles over there in fixing the problems which are repetitive so i think that's that's what scaled up my experience in operations and basically you said that um, you have worked at a different level in scaling up the operation as a point and if you see if we observe this e-commerce market from a global point of view from broader perspective it is like one of the most fiercely competitive markets yes. so what according to you is a distinguishing characteristic that the organizations should be having to succeed in this market I think one thing which has to be distinguished in operations is you need to know your audience requirement like uh, when I'm uh, talking about again I'll talk precisely about food market right now here how swiggy has made themselves distinguished is you need to be successful in understanding what a consumer need and also what a partner need so sometimes a consumer might need everything but if you are not able to fulfill that that also not gives you the right set of business values or the model that you are uh, running so understanding these two and plugging it and successfully running it consistently with you know voice of partner voice of consumer putting it into your business needs and then running it and stepping back when at the right time is also required so we might want to scale up in various things we might want to do a lot of things is it in alignment with the end goal or the value that the company has already set up distinguishing when you ask about like say uh, today swiggy is into stores swiggy is also into swiggy genie swiggy is also into multiple other you know platform level expansions that we have done but at the same time there are certain expansions we have to step back and say okay this is not in alignment with what we are doing okay as an initiative we did start so those things i think um, as a platform we did it at the right time and we stepped back also at the right time so that is very important in terms of running we need to be very clear what we are giving our end users Right. And you mentioned about the expansion, right? You Swiggy came into Swiggy Genie. Also, there is one more uh, product channel which Swiggy is operating now, that is um, Instamart. So, what are the aspects you consider before entering into this market? And there is one more te- technology which is coming up, like digital twin. So, in that, what they do is like uh, they simulate the entire network, supply chain network, how it will work beforehand, so that they can make the decisions more in more educated and effective manner. Uh, which is true i'm sure that all these things would be happening in the back end um, if you if you look at it the way this uh, scale up happened in instamart is we started ourselves with swiggy stores so while we have a in swiggy food marketplace which connects multiple partners with multiple varieties which gives the end consumer a huge variety of options to buy similar model we started our stores okay when the covid hit Uh, we might have been operating with some hundred, two hundred stores, but then we scaled up to an extent of almost twenty thousand stores within like four five months. We scaled up so fast. At the same time, you also realize that this is not the model which would scale up. 
so we had to there are multiple reasons one is within the short span scaling up within a platform requires a lot of technical assessment uh, if that fails the entire ecosystem fails so uh, while we scaled up as a need or need of the hour uh, because everything is shut shop people need groceries and if you look at digitization has played a lot of role your every single guy is selling a grocery even a spectacle shop is selling a grocery because i think that's the way that they have looked at the opportunity but when we scaled up from a stores point of view there is a lack of ownership that we have seen and uh, unlike you store the kind of uh, the products that we have okay like say i have onboarded 10 rest uh, 10 stores as a end consumer if i have to come and buy from swiggy stores i come with two different mindsets one i know what i want to buy and i just want to go search i know this is this is available in that that store and i buy it but that is not the behavior when it happens to grocery buying grocery buying is like should be a one shop where everything is available so marketplace does not fulfill that to the consumer like you want uh, like say 10 10 items in both the uh, rice or let's say you want fruits vegetables but those are available in different different stores so you can't keep checking check out but that's when the instamart has kicked in so we started realizing that okay if you have to fulfill as an experience you need to give everything under one roof where ease of use is there multiple products are there you just get it in easy go you know it also have a multiple points like uh, packaging delivery responsibility returns or etc the reconciliation reconciliations are also very different compared to how it scaled up in stores i think that's how it emerged that's how like we kind of sunset the stores model and we immediately you know jumped and scaled up our instamart model Yeah, you mentioned about packaging and various other activities, which are a part of operations. So, in this, stakeholder management is one of the most crucial aspect. And and for proper coordination and synchronization among the across the supply chain. So, what initiatives or how Swiggy effectively manages such stakeholders, which which can be restaurants, banks, or many more. Uh, so we have to work with two different stakeholders. One is the internal stakeholders to design the entire processes as to what our end vision is and how we want to uh, put certain uh, limitations to what we want to really, uh, you know, deliver. And other stakeholder is the external stakeholder. When it comes to external stakeholders, it comes the restaurant partners, store partners, and the governments as well, because we need to be in alignment with the government policies, rules, and regulations that we do. Uh, so in distinguishing these two if you look at it when a business idea comes in how do we want to execute yes we do that tam analysis we do what we want to do what's the cost of this running this show and you know what different factors plays a role so when we talk about instamart it's just not storing uh, the goods right how effectively we store how do we reduce uh, wastage if wastage happens how do we kind of you know uh, make something out of it or what is the dispersal Uh, ratio that we can uh, save within this whole model. Then comes this packaging. What kind of packaging? So we started with giving bags and then tags to, you know, eco bags because plastic is banned. To now paper bags, right? It also evolved over the time. And this happened. If you look at it, one is based on innovation. One is based on the government regulation. So you ban plastic, so we'd have no other go just to jump in. But in food marketplace, if you look at it, it, it has the same. Uh, Modernism. Plastic is banned, so it doesn't mean that you get every food in fall. 
right plastic bags are banned but plastic boxes are not banned but most of the restaurants have adopted going eco friendly eco friendly boxes consumers behavior has changed they wanted to reduce the kind of uh, plastic consumption there are set of category of uh, consumers who buy from a certain restaurant because they are eco friendly or they are vegan or there are organic uh, things so we are kind of managing with multiple stakeholders here in understanding the business needs and also it has to be in alignment with the cost end of it in how we are uh, you know kind of plugging and playing this entire model that we wanted to scale up and we discussed about instamart right now so zomato also recently acquired blinkit so what this companies try to do is initially what they do is like they tend to burn a lot of cash initially to grab the customers to grab the large market share so what are your views on this considering the risk is also there right with this strategy so i think uh, working in this sector i would say innovation is one thing uh, where swiggy started since the time they have started i think zomato is already scaled up uh, and you know zomato is there in indian and uh, international market but working and grabbing a market share neck to neck in a very short span that has told uh, the market also that you need a competitor when you have a competitor that's when the innovation comes so when when we talk about innovation right, there are multiple things like for this pick up an example of like 10 minutes delivery 5 minutes delivery are these innovations leading or setting the right expectation or are these innovations leading and setting the right business goals both are both plays a role i don't think as an end user i'm expecting something to come in 10 minutes because i took minimum 1 hour to decide what i want yeah right so we are setting an expectation to the consumer and failing it by burning it more and there is no sustainability so let's say blanket is there or let's say grofers was there that multiple other business models which came in but they couldn't scale up because 10 minutes you might need 20 riders than a 10 riders model but is the cash flow or the burning that you're doing is in alignment with the money that you're making as well right so and it wasn't a scalable model but if you look at from how we took a stand on what we want to make and how we want to do we never committed a 10 minutes delivery we have understood that okay it might minimum time guaranteed it's like not even 2 3 hours okay 30 minutes is a very decent time if somebody places an order but if you look at it in an average we deliver anywhere between 10 to 15 minutes there are orders which we deliver so how we can fulfill it faster how we can scale up the business model instead of opening in every 100 meters a store we call it up store and then put the items there how are we working in a very sustainable model and yet fulfill the requirements right so that has differentiated uh, in terms of this acquisitions like we didn't get the opportunity to acquire uh, like blinkit or etc but i think we got an opportunity to scale up in some way Yeah. Right. The way that we have scaled up, we have never run any, uh, you know, bizarre uh, discounts. <laughs> uh, very frankly, we never ran a bizarre discounts. Like it's like very uh, under the control. Um, no extreme buy one get one, five minutes delivery kind of a thing. And even the promotions and all are very uh, strategically placed. Either we seed it with the brands, brands do it. Eco. Uh, sending the promotions, uh, the customization of the categories are very taken care of. Uh, what kind of brands to be given in which areas? Like say, uh, if you are opening an Instamart in a remote area, 
who would buy it who are your audience there are people like who wants to just go and buy themselves like their vegetable shop is right next to for them what is important for you to bring them online is give something which they don't have in their area right and again that with the right set of brands right unless that happens you will not be acquiring a new Uh, consumer, irrespective of the cost, right? So those things makes a difference than burning a cash and giving a discount because those things are not sustainable. I think by now most of the business models understood this. Yes. Most of the business models. I think since last one year, the dynamics have changed with how uh, e-commerce were working, Rami. To the awareness, the consumer awareness has also has changed. So I think as long as you're giving discounts, people will buy for you from you, and you know, and that's how it is. And it is just not how much market share you have. It, the numbers are very clear. How much burn you have done to get this market share as well, right? Yes. So that has become more transparent to validate these numbers. But whenever fulfilling the order in proper time. Estimating the delivery time as well as fluctuating price when and uh, where and when it is possible. Does Swiggy use uh, AI ML models for this? Two different platforms we have. One is Food Marketplace, which is the prices are mostly driven by the restaurants, and here the price fluctuation won't be very high unless there is a raw material uh, fluctuation price happens, and I think that is not very frequent. Like there was a once certain onion price went very high. Right, so that might have led to a few items which might have got a different pricing. That is from a food marketplace standpoint. But in a retail model like Instamart, which are MRP-driven products, those are something price we don't control. Neither of the platforms we control the price, but at least we can anticipate. Okay, so like uh, we know that which sector or which. Uh, a business model is increasing the price. Like obviously, there is a fluctuating model of pricing in vegetables, fruits, and dal because those are controlled by some governance body, right? But unlike uh, uh, Britannia biscuits or like say a, a different segment altogether, those have a different price. But what we try to work in terms of prices, we have taken an initiative in food marketplace to educate the partners to be price neutral. When they sell a product, both in online, online, online business versus so, like say today, you have a restaurant, okay? Their offline price versus online price restaurant I'm talking about is different. That is because consumers know that if they go drive and buy a to a restaurant, the prices will be lesser. Versus they are online, they are ordering online. There is a convenience. So to that convenience. What percent is good? Is it ten percent hike in prices, twenty percent, or double the prices? How much is the consumer willing to buy? We educating the, the restaurants is what makes the difference. Like if you look at some guys who be on board, they might come with the mindset: online, I'll get more orders, and uh, like say if I'm selling an idli at twenty rupees, I'll make it forty rupees because I have to pay commission. But that might not give him business. Right. One is competitive pricing. Two is if, uh, like, say, there are popular restaurants. If I'm a consumer buying, are this price is at ten rupees that he's almost doubling the price. Yeah. Right. If they are, my mindset is to accept for a ten percent high, twenty percent high. So we constantly educate. We we will not enforce 
or we will not say that you have to keep it but we ensure we educate them with this model uh, again we have our own in-house tools which are developed precisely to understand for certain restaurants what is their pricing how fluctuating their pricings are and you know because if this price goes up by 10% what could be their maximum conversions if this price goes by x percent down what can be the m to c happen so we can make some kind of algorithms and we propose the partners about this but when it comes to food market instamart model we do a algorithm check based model to understand the search prices like say if it is an onion in one locality how much cost across the online selling businesses like say for example you have a big basket who sells onions at 1 kg at 20 rupees and we sell at a 25 rupees or let's say like it sells at a 30 rupees right why end of the day that is because where you're storing how you're storing from where you're getting so we change our model of pricing based on end source how easy the sourcing is how easy and you know transportable that sourcing is so there is a lot of role that these vegetables especially makes uh, plays when we put our pricing but rest of the pricing is pretty controlled on mr base so there won't be much that you know we have to do but like if such price fluctuations from any of the restaurant it happens frequently then is it that uh, swiggy notifies them uh we do notify but we also have certain guidelines from the government uh on giving the freedom of pricing to the partner but at the same time we also have a consumer guideline says protect the consumer costing as well so it is a conflicting or contradicting statements but yes we do notify them uh, on uh, uh, the surge of price the, the kind of luck they know they know what they are doing you don't have to specifically notify all we have to notify them is how it impacts their business right like say you are a restaurant owner you know that you changed your price you know that you changed your price doubled or tripled the price or you reduced it me notifying would not make any difference what makes a difference is you reducing gave you how much business versus you increasing can impact what kind of what what percentage of your business that would make a difference so those are the things that we drive in educating because from consumer perspective what it seems like they don't know about that much about restaurant but they are using swiggy as a platform right so they are like uh, one day they are seeing particular price then next day they see it more then it has a different thought processing right from a consumer point of view and also pricing plays a role in uh multiple uh, aspects one is the base price of the item then you get your delivery distance then you get your uh, packaging and then you have your uh, long distance so we also have an offer on long distance long distance right like say you want to sit here and order something from jandamba right it is 30 kilometers 15 kilometers so within restaurants that we have on platform we have identified few restaurants which have a potential Uh, like uh, alpha biryani is very famous delicacies is very famous let's say in vizag people who are sitting here wants to have delicacies and delicacies is ready to serve beyond the 3 kilometers 4 kilometers radius so we have a long distance of 15 kilometers enable so when you are checking in zomato let's say they have no long distance but they have 10 rupees delivery fee but in a long distance obviously you are traveling 15 kilometers so the price factor is different and then comes the promotional promotional is a company driven or a restaurant driven there might be 
Z exclusive, Zomato exclusive, Swiggy exclusive, where they want to give different, uh, you know, uh, promotions to the consumer. So you have twenty percent discount here and thirty. Then you can't compare and say their prices are high, right? You have multiple factors. Is the base price the same? If base price is the same, and on top of it, if there is anything additional, we also have a control on that. Like, say for example, a packaging. We also have a complete control on the packaging price. We say that okay. If you are cart value is this, you have to restrict your packaging at X cost. If your item value is hundred rupees, you can't have a fifty rupees packaging cost. You can have a ten rupees or a ten percent of the item value. So we have certain rules within the system which says if your cart value is this, you can have this much percentage only. So how you want to manage? So there are some exceptions people take, like my packaging is an eco-friendly packaging, but the consumer also needs to buy that point. Right? If you can't say for a hundred rupees uh, curd rice, I give twenty rupees uh, eco-friendly packaging <laughs> to sell that, which is twenty percent of the item cost. So, is it acceptable? Is the consumer accepting it, or how it is? So, we we keep in mind all these uh, guardrails when we show the right price to the consumer. But like uh, you said about the long distance delivery, so in this, a lot of brands focus there about finding the proper uh, delivery partners. So, how do you manage for this long distance? Uh, I would say deliveries. So within the delivery ecosystem, delivery ecosystem is a very vast concept altogether. So, the way that we choose restaurants, that which restaurant, which item we have to do long. Like ice cream, I won't do a fifteen kilometers. By the time it comes, it melts and it's a hundred percent refunds, and you know we have a returns happen. Returns in the sense cancellation or you know refund refundable items. Uh, but maybe pizza, even I might not risk pizza because the moment it gets cold, I get complaints. Maybe biryani is fine or certain items. So similarly, within the long distance, when we do. Um, again, I don't have a very in-depth knowledge about this, how the ecosystem of delivery works. Uh, but as far as I know, there is something called uh, incentive-driven. There are something, some dedicated uh, delivery segment of people who are assigned for long distance. So that these segment of partners, delivery partners, are uh, you know kind of uh, reserved for long distance uh, because. They have to also like 15 kilometers is a long distance. Let's say 15 kilometers I travel, but I have to go back, right? So educating this set of audience who earns on incentive, uh, you know, basically earns an incentive, have a mindset to accept the order. So there are a lot of uh, partners, delivery partners. The moment they see that oh they have to go till like 15 kilometers, they might cancel the order. They might not accept. They might say, "My tire is punctured. I can't come. I'm not feeling well. There is a jam, etc." So we need to ensure that they are incentivized right. They're costing the right. So uh, we have certain catering which is done within the delivery partner segment as well. Top waiters, you know, local uh, assignments. I think that is driven accordingly. Yeah, but along with this delivery partner, the restaurants are there, banks are there for transactions, so right. many stakeholders are there. Right. Any fraudulent activities occur, so what are the this Swiggy was an automation this was to reduce this fraudulent activities. Uh, see, we have to understand that first we need to understand the concept before we automate. Because if we completely automate things, there are things which just runs behind a very nonsensical, right? So to understand. What fraud is? Fundamentals of in this industry, how fraud happens. That over the period we have seen various use cases. Then we have built an ecosystem which can filter out. 
like say uh, a fraud charter i'll put it into three segments two segments restaurants and consumers within restaurants restaurant consumers and deliveries okay so within the restaurant segment are we onboarding the right set of restaurants what is the pattern and behavior of these restaurants how are we doing business and how are the entire uh, ecosystem in these restaurants in terms of orders cancellations and then we build alerts okay if this is a pattern this could be a potential fraud if this is a refund pattern this is a potential fraud if it is a uh, onboarding uh, fraud like say in a area okay the lat law is one of the very important role for the delivery assignment to happen within the lat law like say i have 10 facades how is it possible in that exact location where 10 restaurants with same facade can happen that could be a trigger a delivery executive onboarding a restaurant could be a trigger because we will check the history of the delivery guy did he uh, in the past what's his cancellations what kind of a delivery assignments happening is it to the similar restaurant mostly happens um is there any uh, alerts on the fraud like uh, consumers complaining that he taken cash from us etc happen so that is onboarding fraud that we look at then coming to consumer fraud consumer fraud is people ordering food and you know not giving the right justification of for what they have uh, asked for refunds uh, complaining that we haven't received so we are building a mechanism over here to have an instant connect though we say instant gratification we give instant refunds to consumer even till date we still are working in making it a better process and transparent process between the partners and the consumers to build this ecosystem more transparent for both of them okay you have a complaint you send this are you agreeing for this and the restaurant also submits uh, cctv footage they also have the mechanism to instantly dispute the item dispute the refund and you know kind of work back on that and third is delivery partner so put together one and two also falls under delivery is delivery partner himself is a consumer right he might have ordered his own order is the consumer uh, working with the delivery partner to do this fraud is a restaurant working with the delivery partner to do this fraud so the entire patterns of how what kind of orders within the um, number of orders that he has delivered what percentage are returns what percentage are cancellations refunds uh, etc so all these put together works and yes there are systems done there might not be systems very uh, much available in the market because these all are very much business driven industry specific requirements right so we either build it in house to get these alerts we have a wonderful data science team or we work with the uh, saas model or you know uh, different uh, companies to scale this up as a requirement and like uh, in previous in one of our previous discussion uh, we had mentioned of covid 19 so if such disruption occurs how do swiggy as such any of the e-commerce company anticipate it and what are initiatives do they take so that their supply chain remains resilient as possible i think covid has been a very great learning not just for this industry across the industry uh with the restaurant shut shopping and you know restrictions by the government uh in terms of uh, the food delivery the crowd etc um yes this has let us expand to understand uh like like i'll give you an example during this covid time uh, a lot of small small businesses have closed uh and when there is no cash flow it is difficult for the restaurants to do that business so we have kind of tied up with the uh, mbcs and you know kind of given them loans 
uh, swiggy from their pockets scattered certain amount and kind of given loans to do the uh, circulation of the business and then supplying the raw materials we did uh, supplying the raw materials as a category which is called value add services to the restaurant partners packaging um, etc so these all steps that we have taken which helped for us uh, to kind of uh, i think food industry is one thing which didn't take much hit i know there is a scale down in one segment of food but there is a scale up in the grocery side of food because these are like we have daily needs right during covid when the even the physical grocery stores have uh, pretty much banned and you know not available kind of an item this has shot up but yes to neutralize this there are a lot of initiatives in this value add services that we have taken to help uh, scale up this business model as well उटर if you are a user so there are a lot of times which happens like you know i open the app and i find something and that gives me certain idea if i as a user want some ease of use how do we develop it faster so like very like yesterday there is a feature that we released called uh, one of the pain point is you place an order payment fails and then you keep trying by then your food is not ready because your food has to be So, as a voice of consumer, what we heard is consumer saying, "Ki take my order. I'm anyways making the payment, right? Get the food. I will make the payment." So we developed a feature like if the order gets paid because of payment failing in the UPI or something, you put a wrong thing. Order gets assigned, and then you can make the payment. While this feature got released and we got uh, a conversions increase, okay. There is one person message saying ki have you sent the right communication to the consumer that we released this feature and this feature tells like how is the UI of this feature like you are using it does that notification tells that your order is placed don't worry right so it goes to that extent we have developed a feature which says that okay payment failed but order is placed but the sentiment is not been addressed the sentiment is fundamentally if you look at it payment successful is one line which makes us feel that order is placed but the sentiment is notify the consumer the way that you notify payment successful even if it is failed notify saying ki order placed please make the payment so the ui interaction for that sentiment so to that level we think about we putting ourselves in the consumer shoe and understand what would be the best way to uh, develop I think that's that's what makes us uh, differ till date i think with the working culture that i have seen the second question is from sanjay yes in 2020 zomato acquired uber eats hence its share in the south india has considerably increased and now it has also acquired blinkit so what are your views on such acquisitions in e-commerce industries which is good uh, but we need to know um, uber it's closed right uh, it's not how many companies you are acquiring how is it equally sharing a vision of your end goal right like say swiggy's goal is to give convenience 
for the consumers to give this convenience what acquisition I, i can't go and acquire reliance and say i'm giving you a convenience right is it in goal with what we are doing that's what plays a very different role here so we also did acquisitions like say super daily we did an acquisition because those category okay the learnings from that category from where we are to where they are probably it will take us x time to reach there so this acquisition played a role for us to understand and scale it up and move it in a different way so we have also done acquisition on private brands like Swiggy Homely is a private brand that we have so we understood that you know there are uh, uh, meals wholesome meals that consumers love to eat in terms of combos with the right pricing but you still get so there are many brands that we have taken and we did our own experiments in how to customize them into combos what kind of a pricing we have to put on this and etc so we ourselves have some five six private brands in term in food category uh, which is doing a great business we also acquired in uh, invested in uh, let's say technology so swiggy's business uh, also comes from restaurants who are using POS systems. Uh, the behavior of these POS systems, because if everybody starts doing business with us without using our app and using a middleware app, right, then probably we will never learn, yeah. right? So we have a, a kind of invested in one of the POS systems so that, you know, we have a control if this market completely goes upside, upside down in terms of higher share going, going into the POS model. So at least to learn the behavior and keep it on. So there are a lot of technology investments we did. Like we have a lot of uh, communication which goes to the partners. So we have kind of invested uh, and to scale up. So investment just doesn't mean acquisition. You putting your trust and money into a place to scale them up as well. So that you know you are safe in the model that you are working in. So yes, acquisitions did happen. Uh, you know, investments did happen. But which is very relevant to what we are doing. Yeah, this was very insightful because what happens is many people have such questions about the dynamics of acquisitions right. in this e-commerce yeah. industry. So as we come towards the end of the podcast, we would quickly like to take your suggestions on three things. One is like the best book you want our listeners to read, you suggest our listeners to read. See, the kind of books I read is very, uh, you know, depend on my mood and uh, Neville is one a guy I follow in terms of books to keep the mind in control and you know how to achieve the goals feeling them that you know you really can do it I think his books are the ones which I read the most and anyone's uh, course or certification would uh, like to suggest our listeners who are basically who want to pursue their careers in this operation learning see irrespective of operations irrespective of technology I think I personally believe data is God, right? You might have a wonderful idea, but if you don't have the data to prove that idea can be a successful thing, it really cannot, uh, you know, kickstart. So I, I suggest even till date, I like to learn the right representation of data. You might have data, but you still need to know how to represent it. So anything to enhance the skills on data, be it data mining, to data, uh, data science model, data analysis. I think those are the courses that I would prefer for us to enhance uh, in operations because operations is all about data. And uh, one more thing is like any one particular personality who inspired you, you want to you want our listeners to know. 
personality um, i like priyanka chopra not just for being an actor i mean uh, not as an actor i would say but i like people with multi skills multi tasking uh, she is an actor she is a unicef doing the social work she is an entrepreneur she is like a global icon right and one thing i really admire in that personality is the confidence right so there is there are so many um, uh, short uh videos that i have seen her where she always carries that high confidence like you know uh, she talks about how to break the glass ceiling she talks about like put yourself keep failing move forward and i think those are the things which really inspires me and if i just have to connect with the recent generation of people but she is the one i look forward to with this i would like to conclude our today's podcast with a thank you note Uh, thank you ma'am for enlightening our listeners with your profound experience and expertise we really really hope to interact with you again in the future thank you so much thank you so much on this note i would like to conclude this first episode of our season 2 of insider stock 